Welcome to More Than Medicine, where Jesus is more than enough for the ills that plague our culture and our country. Hosted by author and physician, Dr. Robert Jackson, and his wife, Carlotta, and daughter, Hannah Miller. So listen up, because the doctor is in. Welcome to More Than Medicine. I'm your host, Dr. Robert Jackson, bringing to you biblical insights and stories from the country doctor's rusty, dusty scrapbook. Well, I want to share a a story with you from my medical practice. Some months ago, a patient came to me who was quite dissatisfied with her oncologist. She had developed a cancer, and the cancer uh, was treated with traditional chemotherapy, and unfortunately, Uh, the cancer had caused her some serious side effects. The cancer chemotherapy, I meant, had caused her some serious side effects. She was then changed to a different chemotherapy protocol, which also caused some fairly significant side effects, at which time she abandoned her uh, oncologist and came to see me, sat in my office, She was a very intelligent lady. She was very well informed, and she had researched all manner of alternative methods of treating cancer. And she inquired if I would be willing to treat her with certain alternative methods that she had researched. She wanted to know about repurposed drugs for treating cancer. She was adamantly opposed to going back to traditional chemotherapy provided by oncologist. Well, fortunately for me, I had just completed my study of Dr. Paul Merrick's book, Cancer Care, the role of repurposed drugs and metabolic interventions in treating cancer. Otherwise, I would not have been aware of any of the information that she brought to me about using repurposed drugs for treating cancer. She was delighted that I was fully aware of the information that she brought to the table. Now, let's back up about 30 years. 30 years ago, one of my best friends was a pharmaceutical rep. He contracted lymphoma. He was a very intelligent man. He had uh, studied for a PhD uh, down at Tulane, matter of fact, And about six months short of completing his dissertation for his uh, doctorate, he was expelled or fired from his doctorate because he caught his uh, academic leadership uh, falsifying documentation, uh, and he called them out on it, and they fired him rather than correcting the falsified data. Because of that, he was very suspicious of research institutions, and academia. He ended up becoming a pharmaceutical rep, but he continued to be very skeptical of the pharmaceutical industry, research, academia, and all institutions that, in, that had anything to do with research, government grants, that sort of thing. And he and I became good friends, and he shared with me some of his experiences And then when he contracted lymphoma, he did his research. He researched all of the current traditional uh, chemotherapeutic regimens. He also researched nutraceuticals and nutrition therapy. He chose nutrition therapy. 
At that time, I knew nothing about nutrition therapy for cancer or nutraceuticals and and, uh, repurposed drugs. I was dismayed, and I was suspicious that he was making a very bad decision. Well, that was 30 years ago, and he's still alive and kicking and cancer-free. That was one of my first exposures to alternative medicine for treating cancer. He really opened my eyes to the fact that there were other treatments. Well, he's not the only one. I have another treat patient who had a rectal cancer, and his was in advanced stages, and it had spread to his liver. He had a surgery to, um, to remove the rectal cancer, mostly for comfort measures. It was strongly advised that he, would have, he should have um, chemotherapy, but he deferred, and he went to a traditional Chinese uh, medicine doctor who provided uh, Chinese alternative medicine and acupuncture. Well, I was a little suspicious that that was not going to work out well for him. Well, that was probably about 20 years ago, and he's still coming to see me, and he's cancer-free. <laughs> and he still has some issues with loose stools, but his doctor told him he was going to, his surgeon told him he was going to have that regardless. And other than that, he continues to work. He doesn't, hasn't lost weight. And he's happy as a clam that he did not have chemotherapy. So I say all of that to let you know that there are alternative medications, alternative repurposed drugs, and there are nutritional treatments for cancers that are, in fact, effective, and that traditional chemotherapy is not the only way to treat cancer. Now, when I read Dr. Marek's monograph on the very first page, he gives a disclaimer, and he tells us that the repurposed drugs that he has studied are to be used as adjunctive therapy to traditional oncologic care, meaning in addition to chemotherapy and radiation. He's not recommending that these repurposed drugs be used as standalone therapy. So I want you to understand where he's coming from. And so let's, let's kind of dive into his, his monograph and, and talk a little bit about cancer in America. It's anticipated that in 2023, that was last year, that there would be nearly 2 million Americans who would be diagnosed with various cancers, with approximately 609,820 deaths. And let's talk about some of those cancers. There would be probably 120,000 lung and bronchial cancers, both male and female, probably 34,000 prostate cancers and 43,000 breast cancers. There would probably be about 50,000 colon and rectal cancers, probably about 50,000 pancreatic cancers. So you see, there's a lot of cancers going on in the United States. And we have to understand that um, the five-year survival rate has not really changed a whole lot in the last 30 years, despite the medical cost. In the United States, 208 
billion dollars was spent in 2020 on cancer-related medical costs. In the year 2000, there were only two oncology drugs that garnered more than a billion in sales. But 10 years later, the top 10 oncology drugs each exceeded a billion in revenue. So you see, cancer is a big business in the United States, and financial toxicity is a big deal for patients and their families who frequently face extreme financial burdens and distress as a result of cancer treatment. Now, pay attention. Despite the vast spending on treating common cancers like lung, breast, colorectal, prostate, and pancreas, age-adjusted death rates have remained remarkably stable or have even increased since 1930. Compared to the improvements in preventing and treating heart disease, cancer mortality has remained relatively unchanged over the past 30 years, despite the billions in cancer treatment that has been spent. Based on data collected between 1992 and 1997 for the 22 most common malignancies, it has been estimated the overall contribution of curative and adjuvant cytotoxic chemotherapy to five-year survival in adults was estimated to be 2.3% in Australia, 2.1% in the United States. More recent data from the U.S. indicate that the five-year cancer survival rate has only increased by 5% over the last 25 years. Despite the billions of dollars spent on cancer therapy, the traditional approach has largely failed. Alternative, less expensive, less toxic, and more effective therapies are urgently required. And that's why looking at repurposed drugs is such an important consideration. Now, you have to understand that traditional cancer chemotherapy and radiation therapy is built on an understanding that cancer is caused by genetic abnormalities in cancer cells. And all of the chemotherapy is designed to alter the mitotic process, the, the, the division of the cells, and to interfere with the division of malignant cells. But the notion that cancer is caused solely by mutations to key genes is becoming harder and harder to maintain. I would submit to you, and not just myself, but others who study cancers, that an alternate theory that cancer is actually a metabolic disease is probably more accurate. Travis Christofferson, in his book entitled Tripping Over the Truth, articulated the following. He said, no researcher can point to any single mutation or combination of mutations and say with confidence that it is alone the cause of cancer. Nor can researchers paint to a series of cellular systems rendered dysfunctional 
by mutations and make the same claims with confidence. If you remember James Watson, the guy who discovered the, uh, the, the helix design of, of DNA, he said this. He says that uh, behind cancer and toward understanding the chemical reactions within cancer cells, that it appears that a prolonged, well, he, he was just disputing the whole notion that, that cancer was just a genetic uh, cause. And the concept of genetic mutations and genetic instability understands almost all conventional cancer treatment. Big Pharma and the medical establishment have propagated this concept to promote the use of very expensive and toxic chemotherapeutic drugs. And for them, curing cancer is not really the goal. For them, the goal is, is selling their high-dollar drugs. And when a patient goes to see a traditional oncologist, they have to understand that that oncologist, when he receives a shipment of, of these high-dollar uh, cancer treatment drugs, that that oncologist gets 40% off the top immediately from that, for that cancer treatment drug. And he's making a, a pretty good piece of the pie when he prescribes those drugs. But if you go in and ask him about a repurposed drug that you can buy over the counter, there's nothing in that for him. There's nothing financially profitable in that for him. More than that, there's no research that goes into repurposed drugs. And he'll respond to you and say, well, there's no research that proves that, say, melatonin is beneficial for for treating cancer or ivermectin or mabendazole or any of those things. And the reason for that is there's no money in the research. The medical universities, the pharmaceutical companies, they're not going to do research on a, on a drug that can be bought for mere pennies at a, at a veterinarian shop or over the counter because they'll never recoup the cost of their of their randomized control trials or their observational control trials. So why would they invest money in studying a repurposed drug? There's no financial reward for them. And so when the traditional oncologist looks at you and, and responds to your question about a repurposed drug, he's right. There are no randomized control trials. There are no observational control trials because there's no money in it. But it doesn't mean that these medications don't work. It's just that nobody's willing to invest the money to discover if they do work. So there's the dilemma that we face when we're trying to promote repurposed drugs. Now, Thomas Seyfried is a physician. And he provides a compelling argument that cancer is primarily a metabolic rather than a genetic disease. His underlying hypothesis is that cancer is a mitochondrial disorder with impaired oxidative phosphorylation and energy production. And I'm not going to go into that any more than that because it becomes a very complicated discussion that my audience will not fully comprehend. And I know that might frustrate some of the doctors and biochemists in my audience, but I would suggest to you that you get uh, Dr. Marek's 
uh, monologue because he has many pages devoted to a very thorough explanation of why the metabolic uh, explanation is is uh, a very good explanation for why cancer occurs. And I would encourage you to get the monograph and read through it. I found it quite fascinating. Now, I want us to talk about preventing cancer first, because as a family physician, prevention of heart disease, prevention of cancer, early detection, that's where I live. That's what I practice every day. And I and I just want you to understand that this is treating cancer is 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 not where I live. Prevention is my heartbeat. So I want to I want to talk about that a little bit first. So what are the things that you can do so that you never have to hear the doctor look at you and say I'm sorry to tell you but your scan reveals that you have a cancer in your kidney or your liver or your lung. You don't ever want to hear that. So what can you do to prevent that unhappy day in your life? Well, the first thing is quit smoking. Lord, have mercy. Quit smoking. Do whatever it takes to quit smoking. Pray about it. Confess it. Repent of it. Just do whatever it takes to quit smoking. And and every week, somebody comes in my office with a big smile and says to me, Dr. Jackson, you won't believe it, but after all the years, I finally quit smoking. My patients quit smoking every week, and I dog them about quit to quit smoking. Listen, head and neck cancers, oral cancers, cancers of the tongue, lips, mouth, and bronchial tubes and lungs are greatly increased by smoking, and rarely do they happen in people who do not smoke. You got to quit smoking. Number two, reduce or limit the use of alcohol. Excessive alcohol intake is associated with esophageal cancer, gastric cancer, liver cancer, and pancreatic cancer. You must reduce and limit the consumption of alcohol because alcohol is connected with those cancers. And then you must work on losing weight. Obesity is connected with certain cancers, especially breast cancer in women. Find yourself a healthy diet and exercise plan so that you can uh, manage insulin resistance and find a way to lose weight. When I was in high school, my football coach used to always look at us at halftime when we were behind, and he would say, boys, find a way. Find a way to win. And I would suggest to you that you find a way to lose weight. Weight loss is always between your ears. You just have to make up your mind and find a way to win. Next thing is avoid processed food and processed vegetable oils. Look for real food. You want to eat food that's not packaged or processed. If there's a label on the side that has a whole long list of ingredients, that is not real food. Eat preferentially real food. Avoid sugary beverages like sodas and sweet tea, and avoid pure fruit juices. These things add weight. The next thing 
is vitamin D. Supplement with vitamin D. I check a vitamin D level on almost all of my adult patients, and to my surprise, I would say 60% of my patients are vitamin D deficient, and they require vitamin D3 supplementation. You should aim for a vitamin D3 level of between 50 and 70, Uh, and that's not easy to obtain for some of my patients, and they require significant supplementation to uh, obtain a level of 50 to 7 nanograms per milliliter. Also, supplement with omega-3 fatty acids, which is protective against malignancy. Green tea catechins is protective against multiple malignancies, 500 to 1,000 milligrams per day. But here is a couple of caveats. You need to take it during or after a meal to avoid GI upset. Don't take it on an empty stomach. And you need to have your doctor, family doctor, check your liver enzymes because it can, in some people, cause elevated liver enzymes. Melatonin. We'll talk about this more later, but melatonin is a good protector against cancer. Start off very low, just two or three milligrams at bedtime, and then gradually increase the melatonin. Take it at bedtime. We recommend the slow release or extended release, and you can't overdose on melatonin. So if you can increase it to 10 milligrams or even more, um, then that's perfectly acceptable, and it's very protected, protective, pre- preventive against cancer. Uh, If you advance the dose too quickly, it will cause you to have nightmares. So go very slowly. Next is metformin. Uh, Metformin is a great medication for treatment of uh, diabetes and elevated blood sugar, but it's also preventive against multiple cancers. Uh, It helps in treating insulin resistance. And as we're trying to explain to you, elevated blood sugar enhances cancers. Lowered blood sugar, lowered insulin resistance helps to prevent cancer. Metformin needs to be taken with a doctor's evaluation and a doctor's approval. Also, we strongly recommend regular aerobic exercise and 30 minutes of exposure to sun in the middle of the day. This is very healthy and helps to prevent cancer. Next, reduce stress in any way that you can. As a Christian, I recommend reading the Word and prayer, meditating on Scripture, just doing the things that you have to do to keep stress out of your life. Also, get at least eight hours of high-quality sleep. We call it good sleep hygiene. The Bible says that God gives to His beloved even in His sleep. And then if If there are any known carcinogens in your life, things that are known to produce cancer, by all means, stay away from those things. Now, the last thing I want to say in today's session before we break and come back next week is try to follow a keto diet. A keto diet uh, reduces blood sugar. It reduces uh, insulin resistance. And it is great not just for preventing, but also for treating cancer. Why? 
because cancer cells require glucose and glutamine in order to survive. And a keto diet decreases glucose, decreases insulin resistance, and deprives cancer cells of the substances that they require in order to survive. So a a ketogenic diet um, is one of the things that is beneficial for people who actually have cancer. There are multiple studies that show that eating real food, uh, sticking with uh, a high-protein, low-carb diet is very beneficial. And, the, and there are multiple studies that show longer survival, higher quality of life for people who stick with a real food, high-protein, low-carb diet over the long haul. They do much, much better. If you want to study the Banting diet, B-A-N-T-I-N-G Uh, That's an excellent diet that was designed in the early 1800s that uh, still works and is still very, very effective. Now, I'm going to conclude today, and I'm going to come back next week with a second session uh, further discussing Dr. Marek's book on repurposed drugs. And when I come back, we're going to talk about his Tier 1 repurposed drugs that he recommends and why he recommends them and which uh, cancers uh, they are effective for. I think you will find that discussion very interesting. You're listening to More Than Medicine. I'm your host, Dr. Robert Jackson. We'll meet you again next week. Thank you for listening to this edition of More Than Medicine. For more information about the Jackson Family Ministry, Dr. Jackson's books, or to schedule a speaking engagement, Go to their Facebook page, Instagram, or their webpage at jacksonfamilyministry.com. This podcast is produced by Bob Sloan Audio Production at bobsloan.com.